This is the Extra Point Podcast. During this podcast, we will dive deeper into our Sunday teaching and share practical next steps for your faith journey. Now, let's kick off the Extra Point. All right, well, welcome to the Extra Point Podcast. I'm Scott Bayer. I'm the lead pastor here at Southridge Church. The Extra Point is where we dive a little bit deeper into our Sunday teaching so that way we can uh, really make sure we understood and, um, what everything was about and exactly um, if there was anything that was missed or anything like that. But today we have uh, Jim Lyon, the General Director of the Church of God, here with us uh, today. He spoke with uh, our church this past Sunday in our Fight Song series, which if you haven't been keeping up with that, the Fight Song series, we've been going through different psalms and uh, kind of seeing how they uh, relate to our uh, lives um, today, even though they were written so long ago. And so today we're going to be diving back into Psalm 77. But um, on Sunday, um, Jim, you started off talking about how there's a psalm for every emotion and every kind of season of life. And I was wondering if you could just kind of share maybe the power of the Psalms in your own personal life and in personal experience. Hey, thanks, Scott. Uh, the Psalms are an extraordinary resource for anyone who is seeking to know about God or to walk with God. And they are a collection of hymns, of songs, and they represent this huge swath of human emotion experience. Yeah. I mean, all of us have ups and downs, don't we? Yeah. So in my own journey, just like everybody else, I have times when I'm on a mountaintop, honestly. This is so amazing. Life is so good. How, how am I privileged even to be breathing yeah. into a minute like this? And when you're in that moment, there is a psalm for you. There's something that can yep. just acknowledge the greatness of God. The heavens declare the glory of God. Think about that. Yeah. That's right out of the psalms. And when I'm outside, I'm from the Pacific Northwest. I love to go hiking, uh, go to the Olympic National Park. When you're standing there in that spectacular vista, just like in a, a film, a psalm like that can help cement the moment. Yeah. But on the other hand, I've had minutes of deep, deep valley where I have suffered loss, disappointment, um, uncertainty even about my own value or worth. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there's some psalms about that too because yeah. uh, the people who wrote them had that same minute. And so I find comfort and a certain sense of perspective when I am able to find a psalm or read in a psalm uh, the words that are actually sealed by the Holy Spirit that tell the same story of what I'm doing. And I realize I'm not alone. I'm not the only guy. Those people live to tell. David, yeah. who had some deep, deep, dark moments, much of the Psalms is a story of his persecution. Mm -hmm. uh, when you read that, you realize, wow, he came out on top. He landed on his feet. So can I. So yeah. in all of those experiences, the Psalms matter. And one more thing, Scott. Many people do not realize that Jesus quoted from the Psalms. Yeah. Much of the gospel narrative of Jesus includes quotes from the Psalms, not the least of which is on the cross. Mm -hmm. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's Psalm 22. Yeah. So if Jesus found solace and voice in the Psalms, yeah. if I'm following Jesus, I should be too. Yeah, absolutely. So this past Sunday you were in Psalm chapter 77, and this is a Psalm of Asaph. And can you give us just maybe the main idea from Psalm 77? Well, uh, the ascription in, in our 
English Bible, Sister Asaph, mm -hmm. uh, a person who was a kind of worship leader in the time of David, also yeah. of Solomon, and also of Solomon's son, Rehoboam. So he had a long career. He was on stage. He had a lot of honor and opportunity, and he lived in an age where the world was changing during David's term. You think about David's uh, reign as the king of Israel. Uh, there was a lot of expansion of the kingdom, a lot of, you know, great achievement. Mm -hmm. uh, David was a spiritual man who walked with God, even though he had some profound stumbles. And all of that, yeah. Asaph, the author of this psalm, lived through that. But then Solomon expanded the kingdom even more, and there was even more of a sense of kind of national glory and identity, and Solomon builds the temple, and it's a supernatural moment when the Shekinah glory of God comes down. I mean, our, our presumption is Asaph in his role would have been right there. Yeah. And then Rehoboam becomes uh, the king after Solomon's death, but then the the tribes of the Hebrews divided and yeah. what was one nation became two. I'm just illustrating that Asaph lived through a world uh, of very many high mountaintops and some really deep valleys. Yeah. The psalm that he wrote, number 77, uh, is framed, I think, by his lifetime. I don't know how old he was when he wrote it or what point of his journey he was when he was writing it, but the first half of the psalm, which has 20 verses, is all about desperation. Things are not working out. I feel hopeless. I feel helpless. I'm praying. I can't sleep. Uh, I don't get any answers. I feel like God's abandoned me. And the pivot in the psalm is verse 10, where he says, you know, this is it. I, I've, I've come to the conclusion, God is against me. Yeah. It's not just that I'm separated from God. He's actually against me. Yeah. And that's a, a terrifying prospect. But then the last half of the psalm turns the corner. And, he's, and he says, that's how I felt and how I thought until yeah. I began to remember what you have done, God, and how glorious you are. And then he kind of closes up with the story of the uh, deliverance of God's people through the Red Sea. And, and the conclusion is, you know, if that could happen and you can do that, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be giving up now, just like yeah. they didn't give up then. So it's a, it's a flip. It's about how you can be in a deep, deep hole and yeah. find yourself looking upward and finding a way out. Yeah, so you did. You talked a lot about the role of hope um, in those times that we have when we're down and out, or it feels like the world's kind of against us. And, and um, I, I think that we live in a world where the, the term hope kind of like I don't know. I don't know that people receive it like like maybe we used to back in back in the church. Uh, you know, when we start talking about hope, people start thinking, "Oh, fantasy, fairy tales." Like, oh, that's all the church has to offer is just this, like, almost blind faith, blind hope. Like, what is the role of hope when we're down and out? And if you're one of those people that are kind of like, I don't know, like, because I, I was asking, the, I asked our congregation this question a couple weeks ago, like, how do you trust your very real problems to an invisible God? And I think that's where a lot of people really struggle is they go, but, but I can't see them. But I can see my problem, so I feel like I'm the one that needs to go fix it, right? So what, how do we cultivate hope um, from the Christian perspective? Because I know what the world has to offer and say about different things. But from the Christian perspective, how do we cultivate hope? I think every person, no matter what their faith framing might be, has to come ultimately to a decision. And we have to be honest, and we have to stare nakedly at the facts of this world in our life. If you believe that you control the universe and that you can control your life and that no bad thing can happen to you and you got this, yeah. 
uh, this whole conversation is useless right. because you don't need any hope. You got this. Yep. But I think everyone comes to a moment, if they're honest, where they realize, I don't control the universe. Yeah. Things happen. My kids aren't doing what I told them to do. They're a mess up. My marriage is in trouble. My, my job is on the line. Uh, my country is flying apart. Uh, an earthquake, a tornado. I mean, <laughs> so much stuff. Yeah. When you realize how vulnerable we are, you have to make a decision. I'm either host and there's nothing I can do about it, yeah. eat, drink, and be merry, because tomorrow I die, I have, I, there's nothing. Yeah. Or I decide, wait a minute, there's a larger narrative here that yeah. my daily experience, what I face as a challenge today, is just piece of a larger puzzle. That brings you into a world of spiritual reckoning. Mm -hmm. Because if it's not just us, if there's a God, if there's a creator, if there's a spiritual universe, then my material experience is yeah. somehow meshed with that. So that brings us to, do I have hope? Do I have something beyond my own capacity to solve yeah. problems? Yes. Now, I'm pretty confident about a lot of stuff. I know that I can do some things really well. Yeah. I also acknowledge there are some things I'm a complete loser. And again, everyone has to be honest with themselves. Mm -hmm. In those areas that I do well, I have the hope, I believe, that, and my confidence is built up by the reality that my skills my talents, my contribution is maximized because there is a God. Yeah. And my hope is I'm going to be better than I could be by myself. In fact, there's some things I do well today that I'm convinced I couldn't do at all if I yeah. didn't believe God's hand was on it. On the other hand, there are things I know that I'm desperate for. And when that happens, I have to have hope that there's somebody beside me that can help get me through it and actually take yeah. me to a better place. So all of that leads to this idea of hope. And in in the most elemental terms, think about your life, Scott. Uh, what are you hoping for? Now, I've listened to you talk already. You like a baseball or a softball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're coaching your kids. You're in it. You like it. Yeah. You, you have a hope for a game. Who goes into a game thinking, this <laughs> I'm going to lose. Yeah. What will happen? You will lose. Oh, yeah. If you don't have hope that you can win. Mm -hmm. In the same way, in the game of life, I'm going to lose if I don't have hope yeah. that I can prevail. Now, people can hope on a hundred different things. I can hope that my parents will help me. Well, that worked as long as they were alive. Yeah. <laughs> I can hope that uh, things will work out good and that I'll have good fortune, which is kind of a blind trust in luck. Yeah. But honestly, we all know that doesn't always pan out. But I can hope in a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, yeah. manifested in the person of Jesus. I can hope that that reality yeah. transcends my feelings and emotions. I'm always looking forward to something. Right now as I'm talking to you, yeah. I'm looking forward to some time off. Yeah. You're getting a vacation this week coming up. Yeah. I'm looking for some time off too. And you know what? That gives me oxygen. Yes. I'll yeah. get through what I have to do today because I know that's coming. I love Christmas. Mm -hmm. And Christmas is coming. Yeah. I'm not ready for a tree and lights. I'm not doing that. I have little traditions in my house. We don't do that till after Thanksgiving. Yeah. But I'm getting ready. I'm just saying that there's something good out there, yeah. that there's something I look forward to, that's hope. And bottom line, whatever happens in this world, I'm looking forward to something beyond this world yeah. that gives me the courage, oh yes, and the confidence to know I can risk everything in this life. I can take the dare to do a good thing yeah. because I know that there's more after this life. Right. See, hope is fuel for everyone's engine. Yeah. And without hope, you're not going to go very far. Yeah. Yeah, so that kind of 
brings me to the the last part of what we saw Asaph do in the psalm is he recites that the couple verses about the Exodus and how I love the the way that the writer put it that God reveals a path out that no one else even knew That's right. was there. And so when it comes to cultivating hope, what role does remembering the faithfulness of God have? But also it talks about in that, that passage, like not dwelling on the past as well. So what is the difference? If we're trying to cultivate hope yeah. by remembering the faithfulness of God, how do we make sure that we're also not getting stuck um, just reminiscing the glory days um, because sometimes that can lead to hopelessness. <laughs> Whereas if we're, you know, but then he goes and, and, and recites the, the passages about the Exodus um, as well. So what's the difference between yes. dwelling yeah. on the past and looking at God's faithfulness in the memory past? Memory is a key to both angles that yeah. you've just described. How do we harness our memory to make it an engine of hope? Mm-hmm. Uh, first up, we all need to think about things that are good. You know, whatsoever things are true and good and faithful, yeah. think about those things that Scripture tells us. Well, that includes my memory. Yeah. So there's some stuff in my memory that is good, yeah. and it's true, and it's faithful, and I need to think about that and never forget all the good stuff. But don't focus on the bad stuff. Memory can also take you down a rabbit hole mm-hmm. because I can get lost in the time that... Uh, I lost the game, and I'll, I'll never try. Or, and for me, I took piano for eight years. Yeah. And I had an experience when I was 16 years old where I was asked to play a piano piece at church, and it was a complete loss. I never played the piano again because all I could remember was the wow. humiliation yeah. of that. Don't ask me to play. I'm still haunted <laughs> by it. <laughs> so memory can be dangerous on that score. But then on the other hand, if I played the piano well and I just got lost, and man, I nailed that. I was so amazing. Yeah. And I just lived in that, I would not ever deliver again. Yeah, yeah. What the psalmist is doing is he's differentiating. He talks in the first part of his psalm about how he, he just got lost in the good old days because he had no other hope. See, there was nothing in his mind yeah. that gave him a future. So all he could do was go backward. And so any memory that you're focused on, that all it does is cause you to live backwardly, to yeah. live in something that's already passed, that's not going to give you life. Yeah. Remember the past so you can grab the future. Yep. All right, now, how do you grab the future? How do you make that hopeful? Well, his key was, I began to dwell on what God has done, how God was the foundation of the good things I need to remember, yeah. how God has demonstrated before that he will not leave me alone. He saved my people from slavery way back when, he describes in the Red Sea experience. And if that happened, he can do this now. And for us, when we talk about thinking of of the greatness of God, for him, before Jesus came, his his greatest miracle was the Red Sea, which is no small stuff. But man, for us, Jesus rose from the grave. How many people have I stood by at the graveside? and found real power in the hope that there's more. This is not the end. And that focus on the greatness and glory of God, proved true in what he's done already, gives me buzz for -hmm. what's going to come to be. And again, as I said earlier, we all live in a contest. We are in a contest between heaven and hell. We make decisions about what we're doing. Why should I sacrifice to do the right thing? Why should I 
deny myself what the rest of the people in this world might enjoy in the moment no. because I have this faith thing. What's that all about? If I don't have hope no. that God is going to turn everything around and honor me for doing the right thing, yeah. I will cave. Sure. And so focusing on the glory of God, the power of God in the past, yeah. gives me future and hope for the next day. Yeah. Yeah, so, we, uh, so really when it comes to cultivating hope and the difference between dwelling on the glory days and uh, remembering the faithfulness of God is really about where your focus is at, right? So if you're focus, when you're looking back, if your focus is on you, that's probably going to lead to hopelessness because we come face-to-face with our own frailty, our own failure. When we look back and see the faithfulness of God, we say, oh, watch how he brought us through this and brought us through this, then that, that will build hope for the future. Have you ever been in a place, and uh, it's a rhetorical question, mm-hmm. no answer required, but mm-hmm. have you ever been in a place where you just felt like, I can't do this? Mm-hmm. Because you've suffered a loss or, or you have some insecurity or, or, or whatever it is, but you're just facing something yeah. and you just, I can't do this. The only way out, really, it, this is my journey, I can speak for myself only, the only way out of that box is yeah. for me to remember, oh, but wait a minute. I can't do this, yep. but God was with me the last time I had something like this, and yeah. he brought me through it. Yeah. That's hope. Yeah. Excellent. Awesome. Well, Jim, thanks so much for sharing with us again uh, today. Thanks for being on The Extra Point. If you haven't already liked or subscribed, make sure that you go ahead and do that as uh, we are here to help you take your next steps on your faith journey. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we will see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to The Extra Point. Be sure to subscribe to the Southridge Church Podcast and tune in every Wednesday for another episode of The Extra Point.